0: Welcome back to Addicted to MRR. Today we have Tracy Childers of Wishlist Member. How you doing, Tracy?
1: I'm doing great, Travis, and you you pronounced it perfectly, so thank you for that.
0: Yeah, well, I, you know, I do my best. You know, I know we've only met each other in person a few times, but I feel like <laughs> I've known you for a long time.
1: It has. It's gone by quickly, hasn't it? It's it's crazy to think how fast time's gone.
0: Yeah, well, you know, uh, as I as I said in my review on your AppSumo page, you guys are the OG of membership software. So <laughs> I'm really pleased to have you on today.
1: You know, I I appreciate that, Travis, and I actually brought that up myself in another interview, and I said one of my friends called us. I I get a chuckle every time I I see that, and when I first read it, I had a big smile. I wish I was recording myself so I could have shared it with you.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, so, you know, I've been a longtime customer, and I'm a big fan of Wishlist Member, but for those who aren't familiar with it, do you want to give us just kind of a quick overview of, of what it is and how it works?
1: Yeah, sure. So Wishlist Member is a membership management system for anybody that wants to protect their online digital content. And it works as a WordPress plugin. And many people think that because we say it's a membership site that they automatically think it's recurring revenue. And and that's not exactly what it is. A lot of our customers are using it for monthly recurring revenue, but other people are just using it to simply protect content that they don't want the outside world to see. So it gets into kind of a broader range than that.
0: So what are some of the examples of those who aren't charging for their content necessarily, but just want it locked away? What are some of the use cases?
1: Yeah, that's a that's a good question. And and I'll, I'll go back to when we first started and we, we first built it. And we really thought that the primary usage, uh, the use case would be just simply monthly recurring revenue and have a subscription that only collected monthly. And, and we actually built it for ourselves. And then we found out, oh no, there are lots of other reasons. You know, you might have, for example, let's say a church that is wanting to protect their membership directory, or anybody that might just be simply selling uh, digital content. It might be an online course, and they're charging a one-time payment for that. There's there's also people that use it to establish a, a free community. So, for example. If you wanted to create a community and create a a forum and where people could communicate with each other, uh, you would want to have a registration system. And then you might also want to protect different pieces of content and not just the forum portion of it. So that's why a lot of people end up using Wishlist Member to do all sorts of different things. And really, Travis, I I was really, really surprised how many uh, different scenarios really were out there.
0: Yeah, it's amazing how creative customers can be once you give them a tool, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's like I'm for sure you've sure. seen that picture of uh, you know uh, pet feeding meme where it's like you know how an engineer designed it and it's three bowls of cat food or whatever, oh, and then yeah. how users use it and the cats are all intertwined and like they're playing you know uh, some kind of game where they're all folded over each other. It's it's yeah, once you put it on I the wild.
1: Seen yeah. some of those? Those are funny.
0: Yeah. Well, it sounds like it's a more granular controlled version of, say, like a Facebook group sort of scenario, how you have different tiers of public, but you can see the content versus lockdown versus, you know, totally hidden and invisible. It's but an environment that you completely control and, and some people are using it sort of for lead gen, right? I mean, where it's a a more yeah. premium than just here's a link to a PDF. It's here's an area where you can view that free PDF, consume maybe more information, more supporting stuff. Like we, we've done a wish list in the past for some free stuff where we included, you know, a video and some additional content. It's not really easily delivered just through an email or or some kind of standard page.
1: Yeah. So it's interesting because a lot of people get a little bit of of there there comes a little bit of confusion on like, well, what does it mean? Because he talked about courses and and they're saying well, I use something like Learn Dash or WP Courseware or eLearn Commerce or or some of these other learning management systems. And we're not at all a builder. So we don't build courses. We don't build the forums. We don't have a forum built into the system, but other plugins provide that functionality. And then we basically protect all the content and control who has access to what. And then we also have multiple integrations. So you gave a really good scenario when you said, oh, okay, well, we wanted to give away a free PDF. Well, a free PDF, you know, some people just expect, oh, I'm going to have to opt in to get this. And as soon as I give them my email address, then I'll get to the thank you page and they'll get the PDF download. Well, so then they just give you a, a bogus email address just because they wanted to get the download. So instead, we have a system where it says, no, you actually have to register. You can set up a username and password and then going in you know you're going to have to log in before you get access to any of the content then on after they register then we take their email address and then we automatically have an integration with your mail system so that email address can now be placed on your email list automatically then we also have control like where you could drip content to them so they might get one piece of content right after they signed up, but then, you know, maybe it's a day or three days or five days or seven days later, you have access to control whatever you want. And then because it's WordPress, we built it out so that you can pretty much protect anything and everything and get kind of the granular uh, settings like you suggested with Facebook. You could say, well, I don't want people on this membership level to be able to comment on a post. But if they're on this membership level, they can. And, and just anything about WordPress we basically put the content control really on steroids.
0: Yeah, I would sort of probably describe it as a user. I would describe it as sort of the air traffic controller of the access. Um, mm, that's a good way. Mm-hmm. Right. Because you're, you're not doing the page design. You're not necessarily doing a sophisticated email campaign. But you're just the air traffic controller about who should see what and when. Exactly,
1: exactly. Great. And it's also been kind of interesting. We, we, we've we kind of sort, I guess, maybe I kind of had an epiphany uh, late last year. So you, you know this, but I'm, I'm not sure that everybody's listening to. We've been around, like you said, for a long time. And we went through a process where we started getting so much competition that we recognize, okay, we we, we have to... We have to make a change, so so we really buckled down and we rebuilt the whole system, and it was it was no easy task, Travis. Let me tell you, uh, it took us a lot longer than I expected to. It was a lot more challenging than I thought it would be because we wanted to do something a little bit different. We wanted to push push the we wanted to raise the bar on interface for word plugins, and all along the way. Uh, things started to change for me. And when I talk about this epiphany, see, I this is a, the best example I know. I always thought wishlist member ultimately will probably turn into a kind of like, I keep saying this term LMS, a learning management system, because I know a lot of people use it to protect courses. I stepped back and I looked at everything and I said, you know what? One of our biggest challenges in this whole road uh, that we've been traveling in business is that we had so many competitors. And so what makes you different? And if I say, oh, I want to become a learning management system, now I'm actually doing the very same thing. I'm going to say now I'm just going to be another learning management system and I'm just going to be another competitor in that market. So I, I, I really shifted gears and made a pivot from the standpoint is like, I believe that everybody wants to get uh, best of class tools. And so they're saying, well, I want the learning management system to do this, 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 and this. And I chose that tool. And well, I want my email system to do this, 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 and this, and I chose that tool. And it's really challenging if you're trying to be good at everything. Sometimes you're not great at anything. And so when I looked at it, I said, you know what? Forget about building out the LMS components. I want to look at all of the best LMSs out there and I want to be the best membership solution that connects and makes it a seamless transition so that you can connect anything and everything very seamlessly. And so that's kind of the direction and the path that we've been on recently.
0: A man after my own heart. (laughs) (laughs) You know, because after I had been a long time heavy Infusionsoft user, um, as I've talked about many times on this podcast, you know, the frustration there is, you know, yes, they have a shopping cart. Yes, they now have a landing page builder. Mm -hmm. Yes, they do a lot of things. I felt like they were the jack of all trades and master of none. And so that's why when we went into building an email provider, uh, uh, email marketing automation platform, it was like, okay, well, if I'm going to do this, I want it to be the best dang email automation platform I can possibly build. And I'm not going to try to build a shopping cart, you know, at least in the beginning, I don't want to build it because I want to be the best automation tool I could possibly possibly be I'd much rather partner you know with optimized press 3 like we did you mm-hmm. know for a landing page where they make an amazing page builder and they've had enormous pain sacrifice and investment to do so and it's just not feasible for me to be able to build something at that level and build the best email marketing automation tool so I totally understand your perspective of wanting to make a best in class and allowing customers then based on their unique needs to then layer the tools together that make the most complete package for their needs in their particular business.
1: Yeah, and you know, you bring up Infusionsoft and also Optimize Press, and and you know that we've been using Infusionsoft for a long time. And when we started, things were just different back then, and not everything was able to connect with the latest technology and stuff so it's really like it was the best way if you wanted to do all this and and I still like infusionsoft and and I look at them a lot because I see that they've definitely had some challenges and I like to look at other companies and see how they navigate through these challenges and, and see how they end up faring on the other end. And I like the direction that you're headed in, in exactly what you said. I I just want to be that component. And now let's shift gears a little bit to Optimize Press. And Optimize Press basically did the very same thing, right? They came out with the landing pages and they were really good at it. And what happens is a lot of times as companies, we go in one direction and we think we're doing the right thing. And then you kind of like, oh, man, I really kind of wish that I had not done that. And it's a little bit late. And I love Optimized Press. And uh, I'm good friends with James uh, Dyson and Ian Bass. And the reason that I bring that up is because they also have a membership a membership solution with, uh, I think it's, they called it OP member, right? And when you look at how those guys are advancing right now with OP3 and like what an impressive system it is, the thing that's getting uh, left behind, the last thing that they need to do is they need to update their their membership portion of it. And I'm sure that those guys are, are great and they're smart and they're going to do it but it's not at the top of their list and that's where we're kind of positioning positioning ourselves is we want to be so far in front of everybody with membership solutions and then we're like man you need to look at campaign refinery to you know build out all this automated marketing with your emails and then let's build a seamless integration between the two so i just really think that that's the direction everything is headed
0: yeah you know i think the key assumption there though is that there needs to be great cooperation between the best-in-class tools to actually play nice with each other, <laughs> which is which is definitely an uphill battle. That's probably the biggest battle that I've experienced building an automation tool that I'm pretty proud of, is just getting the, the business case to convince other tools to successfully integrate. But I do think that eventually that's the future, right? And thankfully, things like Zapier and, and other competitors to Zapier exist as an interconnect, you know, that does add a little bit of complexity, a little bit of added cost, to Mm -hmm. users, you know, but it allows them to be so custom in their configuration and and still get it to work uh, quite reliably. So, yeah, I think it's the path forward. I think it's going to be, you know, hurdles and growing pains along the way. But I think people are going to start to demand such specialized environments that it's only possible through best-in-class tools being, you know, stuck together.
1: I totally agree with you. And, you know, I don't know how much you geek out on, uh, on your podcast, and, and I'm going to try to divert uh, on getting too geeky, but I, I think that you brought up something really, really important, and that is that is the fact that in the past it has been really hard getting other people to be convinced Uh, that, hey, I've got a tool that's good enough. And that's where Zapier comes in to play and their competitors and stuff. But there's also newer technology that's coming along. And so that's kind of where I'm starting to position ourselves and saying, okay, well, I know that your system couldn't connect with that, but our system can and we can connect with yours. So you know, you don't have to use Zapier if you have us because of how many things. A kind of a good example of it is we just recently released, not too terribly long ago, an integration with WooCommerce. And WooCommerce is the WordPress shopping cart system of choice. And and uh, because we integrated the way that we did with WooCommerce, it also opened us up to about 65 different payment providers, that there's just no way in the world we would have ever been able to connect with all those payment providers. It, it, it just We're just not big enough as a company, but WooCommerce is, and it's the way that they created their structure so that they didn't have to do all the work. They made their structure so that those payment providers could connect with them. Now I, with Wishlist Member, connect with WooCommerce, so all of a sudden it starts to line up and and we're able to support so many more uh, variables. It's
0: almost like so, compound interest, right? Because the work yeah. that WooCommerce did with the payment gateways is now benefiting you guys as well.
1: Yeah, no doubt, man. It's, it's, it's really going to get interesting for sure.
0: Cool. Well, um, yeah, I want to position and just sort of frame where Wishlist Member is from the business perspective. Because, you know, it, it's been interesting to watch the pricing model specifically within WordPress sort of evolve over the last few years. Um, mm. I remember there was a, a time and there still is some products, but you know it was low price, low ticket uh, buy this version and then you know 12 to 18 months from now there's you know version two, then version three, then version four and sort of mm-hmm. became this hamster wheel or you know o- almost like a pyramid scheme of products right <laughs> because the only yeah. way you could su- support your current customers is by selling new customers you know and so on and so forth and it became rather untenable and thankfully people like yourself and optimize press and others, have had kind of a blended approach, right, where you're buying something up front and then there's a service package later that you can do to remain up to date, retain support, you know, actually fund the business that keeps you going (laughs) over time. So what kind of price points are people kind of looking at? with Wishlist when they first enter the ecosystem.
1: Yeah, so y- you really nailed it, Travis, when you said that there's there's kind of been a shift in the marketplace or just the Word, WordPress world. When we got started, there really was no real good clear-cut example. And we were coming at it from a standpoint of, well, we're building software. And when you build software... You got to be able to shut it off in case somebody refunds and and also you have to, you know, encrypt your code and all this stuff. And we did some some really crazy things way back in the day. And then we found out, wait a minute, if you're if you're playing in the WordPress space, you really need to take a look at what's really going on because they want it to be done a certain way. And that certain way isn't always completely clearly defined so it's been a little bit of a challenge so i would say if you are in the wordpress space and you're selling uh, a monthly plugin um that's probably you're probably not getting any love from the wordpress higher level authorities in in recognizing you that you're really a word, in the WordPress world, because when you talk about open source and GPL and stuff, you certainly you can sell uh, your your product, but when you sell that, you're selling the product, but you're also selling them automatic updates and support. So when you said it's really kind of changed over the last year, just about everybody has gone to what's I believe is kind of the clearly defined model, and that's you buy it annually. Now, when you buy it annually, it, you don't have to always pay every year in order for it to work, but you have to pay every year if you want to get new updates and support. So coming into our world with Wishlist Member, we're probably the uh, one of the most competitive priced membership plugins around. For a single site license, it's $147 and that's for the first year. And then at the end of the year, it will automatically renew for another $147 a year unless you cancel it. And if you cancel it, we're not going to shut the plugin off. It's just you won't get updates and support. And as you know, WordPress keeps updating, updating, and updating. So you kind of need to get those things. So it's really kind of sorted it all out. And then we go up from there. Our next uh, level up is uh, three sites currently at $197. Then we go to ten sites, and then fifty sites, and I think currently we're two ninety seven and three ninety seven.
0: And so, in all those scenarios, is the support contract the same price as the initial entry price?
1: well we've actually there's a that's a really really good question and we've actually just recently made some changes and in the past we had it set up so you came in at one level for your uh, for the license of the plugin and whatever level you came in you got one year of updates and support and then whatever level the license was Uh, That's everybody paid the same amount. So right now, we've kind of recently switched and we may be tweaking that model. We're we're so kind of new into it. We're trying to see if maybe we need to make some modifications because sometimes a lot of people will say, you buy your first year at this price and then it renews at a particular discount. So we're still kind of tweaking that. Yeah, I mean,
0: not to bring up an optimized price over and over, but they have a pretty had a pretty slick model i thought on their renewal incentives and you know if you renew within a certain amount of time you you locked in a discount Mm -hmm. and those kind of things so i'm sure i like
1: that too sort Mm -hmm. of a
0: fluid thing you know i think the growing pains that you guys are going through is probably two to three years ahead of where like for instance the ios ecosystem for the app store Mm -hmm. is going through about People realize you can't do V1, V2, V3 over and over, <laughs> and it right. costs real money to support apps over time. And s- same kind of mechanic there too, right? So for you guys, the underlying technology, right, WordPress changes. Like, you know, Contest Domination back in the day started as a WordPress plugin, and we found, you know, uh, oh, crap, we got to update things more frequently than we want to, because all of a sudden there's a WordPress framework update that changes the way something works in our plugin.
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, Yeah. And then especially like when you're talking about WordPress and you look at what's been going on and they're really, they're really trying to push forward. You know, it's, it's been sort of a battle of, you know, who's got the best page builder because the the page builder was kind of non-existent in WordPress and that was really holding them back. So then that kind of opened the door for, for optimized press when it came out. And then, you know, then there was, uh, the visual bakery, you know, visual composer. Now it's WP bakery. I always get confused. And then, uh, you know, you got elegant themes, uh, with Divi and then the big guy on the block. Well, I mean, Divi's the big guy on the block too, but, uh, Elementor, I uh, just came on really strong, like in the last two years. And, and so, you know, WordPress is seeing all this stuff and we're like, man, we got to We got to get our act together. And so consequently Gutenberg and, uh, they just, recently came out with a big big update on gutenberg and you can tell that they're they're going to keep pushing you know they're going to make it yeah better for and those better. who
0: aren't quite as entrenched in wordpress as maybe tracy and i are <laughs> gutenberg is just sort of what they called one of the major breaking points on a version of wordpress where they added a very different visual elements and uh, changed the way some things work but it's it's just kind of like more i guess it would call a code name so, yeah,
1: yeah. So, so you see what I was saying earlier, Travis. If 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 you're not careful, <laughs> You'll geek I out. just kind of end up geeking out just by default. So you got to keep me in line. Okay? It's okay. <laughs> I just was trying
0: to help out those who were like, you know, what the no, heck is going yeah. on? Great. So with the, with these pricing models that you have right now, where does that kind of put you guys business wise? I'm sure you know a portion of that is considered recurring and a portion of that is probably considered front end or sort of like one time sales.
1: Yeah, so that's a it's an interesting time for us because for so long we were doing things and then as a company, as you mature, you got to really look at what all is going on in the landscape and sometimes you have to pivot. So we actually had kind of a big chunk of our business that was based on monthly recurring revenue and where people paid us $20 a month. And a lot of people were saying, wait a minute, I just heard him say that that's not how the WordPress uh, industry works, but that $20 a month was actually for a membership site of our own. And we were selling monthly content in the form of training materials and different plugins and add-ons and stuff like that. So we really kind of started to shift and, and make our business model work more on recurring payments for the software, but those recurring payments were in the form of annual payments. So, you know, we've been doing it long enough that we have an annual payment come in every day and so that we can kind of forecast where we're going to be and say, okay, this is is how much we're going to make recurring revenue this month. And right now we're probably half of our revenue comes in you know, around on the on the recurring side and then half of it comes in on the new sales side. And so where are you at kind of roughly speaking um, on those? Yeah, we typically don't really share numbers all that much just because we're trying to kind of be a little bit private, but I know that everybody wants to know that. So so we're right now we're around 20 20K a month on recurring payments. And then, you know, a little bit more than that on front end sales. And part of what's kind of been a shift for us, Travis, is when I said that we also kind of changed our model where all front end sales automatically have that updates and support plan. And in the past, what we did was we just said, okay, you get the one year. And then at the end of the year, we, we ask you say, okay, now you need to set this up. And I looked at so many different models and like optimized press. And I think that that's kind of where they're at. They don't automatically renew off of the first sale and they just give you an incentive. If you set it up within this certain amount of time, then you get the discount. But, and I really toyed with that. And is is that the way to do it? And I just spent a lot of time and looking at everything out there and the vast majority of all the big players were doing automatically annual renewals and i said okay there's got to be a reason for that and so business-wise it makes the most sense and you know if you're listening and you're a customer you're like yeah but i wouldn't want that just keep in mind that we always err on the side of the customer and we tell people you don't have to renew. We remind them that it's about to renew and you can cancel it at any time. But just in general, when you're making business decisions and you say, we need to set it up on the front end because we want to make the business model as profitable as possible so that we can kind of keep moving forward and support all of our current customers. If
0: it makes you feel any better, Optimized Press with version three has switched to a recurring Mm, locked in at the beginning that the the discount, if you were new within a certain window, I believe was just an OP2 thing. So <laughs> they, gotcha. they have gotcha. switched a little bit, even when they, when people upgraded, when they got the, you know, the upgrade from their OP2 current license to OP3, uh, even though it didn't bill you for a long time, you did have to enter your credit card so that it would be set up for billing in the future to keep it going.
1: So I well, think... Well, see, it's, it's kind of a prime example of how, how businesses change over time. And, and, you know, if you're, if you're really into it, you got to look at what everything is going on in out there and see what everybody else is doing and see what's effective.
0: Yeah. I mean, and what I know about you and what I know about James and Ian and you know how I run my business, it's it's not a greed thing at all. It's about predictability
1: mm-hmm. and
0: being able to make investment decisions on how you continue to push the product forward and how you can continue to expand your support. Because once you understand the confidence levels between behind your numbers, you can make more aggressive decisions. So um, as long as you're coming at it ethically like that, I think it's
1: all good. And I think most customers at least
0: will understand that.
1: Yeah, we we really, w- whenever you're making a big decision like that, you're really always a little hesitant. Uh, are you going to get a lot of pushback? And it's a wise idea to talk to other business owners and see what's happened with them, the people that made the decision before you. And, uh, you know, I talked to enough people and like, you're going to be surprised. Like there's just... Not that many people are going to see it as, as a big challenge. And sure enough, we made the switch and nobody has really complained about it. And, you know, we have had some people that have signed up and as soon as they logged in, they went to the customer center and downloaded the plugin and then they canceled the recurring billing. And that's fine. It's no big deal. Most people just think, you know, this is actually a matter of convenience for me because either I'm going to start using this plugin and I'm going to love it and I'm going to need that or, you know, I'm probably not going to use it <laughs> and then I'll get my money back. Yeah.
0: I used to actually harp on James and Ian. I said, you know, guys, I love your stuff. I love your product. Stop making me have to think about this every year. Just take my money. and keep taking uh, Yeah. It. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, normally I talk about churn and upsells and whatnot, but I, but I want to get to a few other things specifically with you and I want to make sure we have time for it. So, I'm curious, what campaigns have you run that you thought were going to be successful that just totally
1: did not work out? Mm. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's, there's been a few of them. And there's a couple that come to mind, Travis. Uh, one of them is that we, we really haven't done a lot of stuff like with Black Friday sales. And one of the reasons for that is that it was primarily that we just didn't want to uh run a big a big discount on our primary piece of software wishlist member and so we did come up and we got creative and and we we came up with some different ideas and we did one thing where you could you could buy credits and this is where you were you would buy credits in our system and then you would redeem those credits to get uh, these plugins in our kind of customer center and the actual promotion was successful because the black Friday sale was two for one basically for every dollar in credit you get you you get two. so you know we had some people that were buying $200 in credits and then they ended up with $400 in credits and so financially it was successful. But it just created a lot of confusion. I mean it was and then you know the credits didn't expire and stuff, and so looking back, it was like yeah it was it was successful financially, but eh, probably we should have never even gone down that road. Another one that we did was kind of a a bundle, and we we did a we did a bundle. When we were doing a big upgrade one time with Wishlist Member, we were changing from like version 2.7 to 2.8. And it was kind of a significant change. And uh, many people qualified for the update anyways. So we had everybody's attention and uh, we said, okay, well, here's the deal. Some of you guys qualify for this anyways, but some of you don't. And so what we're going to do is kind of try to make it a no brainer. So we put this like just a no brainer of an offer together and they got this and this and this. And one of the things they got was also credits. (laughs) But another thing was they added a a year to their uh, support and updates. And so if they already qualified for it, but they still had an update plan, we just tacked on another year. And that one was really really, really successful. And then all of a sudden we came out one time and we did like a summer bundle and it had a bunch of things in it and it was a really low ticket price. I thought it would do really, really well. And it just, it just really didn't do that well. And part of the reason was, you know, we just didn't really have everybody's attention because there was no major change to the product at the time. And so I think people are just like, eh, I don't really need all that stuff. So you really got to figure out what is it that people really, really want and make that a big time part of your core offer. Gotcha.
0: So it seems like you just didn't have uh, a compelling reason to get, to get them to sit up and pay attention and And want to take action on something and then hit them with the irresistible offer. You just had an irresistible offer because it was convenient for the business (laughs) as opposed to convenient for the customer. Right, right. Yeah, that's a, that's a big difference. Interesting. So what things have surprised you with how well they've done? I know that you've recently run a AppSumo deal and you've done some other things. Has that surprised you? Has there been any other campaigns that sort of shocked you at how well they did? Yeah, you-
1: the AppSumo thing really did surprise me. And, you know, we just finished that. And it's, it's a shame because, I mean, we're still having people like, oh, I missed it. And we're like, well, you know, it was a one-time thing and we don't, we don't ever plan to do it again. And you know, I said earlier we've never really done any Black Friday promos because we weren't, uh, we never really wanted to devalue our product. And so I really was kind of concerned about that. Would would people see that as us devaluing the product, and then we couldn't move forward? And it really didn't turn out that way. So it it kind of shocked me from the standpoint that it probably did four or five times better than I actually thought it would. I thought that AppSumo has a really big audience. And I wanted to get in front of a lot of people just so that they could see what all we had been doing because we had been working on it for a really, really long time. And I thought that we'd get a lot of people buy it. but And then I thought, well, I just didn't know. And I also thought maybe a lot of our current customers might kind of be upset or like, wait, I bought for this price back then. And it was like, well, yeah, it was good value when you bought it. This is just a flat out steal. And so what happened was that our current customers, they were just so happy that we let them in on it. You know, we didn't, we didn't advertise it to all of our current customers. It's just that they felt like that was really special that they happened to come across it and they were super pumped. We had people like you saying, you know, I've been using wishlist member for 10 years and and stuff. And it, it just it really shocked me. And it was, it was really an exciting promotion.
0: Well, if nothing else, you got four to five times the revenue you expected, and you got some great testimonials.
1: <laughs> yeah, and and believe it or not, Travis is like th- those are. I thought we would probably get some good testimonials out of it. Now it's up to us to to do a lot of work with those testimonials and stuff. But I'm also seeing you know lots of success stories where that we're going to be able to capitalize on it in terms of uh, case studies. Then the other thing is. Because the way that that promotion and that whole marketplace is structured, there's a lot of activity, a lot of conversation, back and forth questions. Uh, I answer like people would ask questions, does it do this? Can you add that? And I would just really dug in hard and I I, I try to connect with as many people as possible. And you sit there and you're like, man, this is this is marketing gold right here because these are the things that people are confused about. These are the things that people want to see. And so we've got our work cut out for us for, for a long time on all the things that we want to update now.
0: Yeah, well, everyone just told you their, their pain yeah. points and yeah. desires for the product. <laughs>
1: so. I know. And it's like if, if when you start studying marketing and people are like, hey, this is a simple concept, but just Ask your customers what they want. Even Ryan Levesque, his whole ask methodology was very, very popular, really well-known book. It's like, I tell you what, ask people what they want, and then they'll tell you. <laughs> and then you build it, right? And so that's kind of what it what it was, is like they just got a tremendous amount of feedback. So it's it's really an exciting time for us.
0: Yeah. I mean, the other thing I just want to highlight out of that too, the little nugget is, is not just ask like what do we need to add, but understanding when people find important and they ask about it, even if the product mm-hmm. can already do it because it will change your messaging and positioning on the front end to highlight the pains that people have that you solve but maybe you don't emphasize enough right
1: yes for sure and that's a that's an excellent point and that's one of the things that i found when you're doing something like this or you're engaging with customers that they're usually doing some research you know that they, they saw what was presented in a video, what was said about it, What what's in your sales copy, what's in your frequently asked questions. And to me, you think uh, that's all kind of obvious, right? Sorry, I don't know if you hear my dog barking in the background. Uh, hey, it's COVID-19, man,
0: we're doing the best we yeah. can.
1: <laughs> and, and he does not, he's a little miniature dachshund and he does not like it when people come to the front door. I'll tell you that. <laughs> but even when you have all this stuff, on your sales page and you're so close to your product you think that everybody should know that. It's like, yeah, well it's it's listed out right there. Why are they asking me about that? It's it's plain as day right there. And then I go back and I'm looking at what they asked and I'm looking at what they said and then I kind of think to myself, "Well, no wonder they asked that. It's not clear right here." And so that's, that's been real exciting to me that, you know, we've got our work cut out for us. We've got a lot of stuff that we want to fix and update. And we're in the middle of uh, revamping our site with all that feedback. So I think it's going to be extremely helpful to us in the long run. Awesome.
0: Well, hey, you know, I only want to spend a few minutes on this, but I did have another question for you uh, specifically about Stu McLaren. And, mm-hmm. you know, because when people think about starting their businesses, especially if they have business partners and, you know, what does that look like if... Partners have different desires or want to try different things, even if it's on good terms. How does that process look like? My understanding is that you started the business with Stu, and eventually he wanted to sort of shift gears. And so, how did that come about? And then, how did that process actually
1: execute? Well, you know, Stu's uh, Stu's just a class act guy. And I mean, anybody that that knows him, uh, if 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 you don't know who he is. Uh, You can go to his site. I think it's like stew.me or just Google Stu McLaren and he's everywhere. He's just such a a likable guy, uh, but he's also just an incredibly hard worker, right? And so he and I uh, had a friendship that goes way back like to when I, we we both kind of got started in internet marketing around the same time so it's like all the way back to 2003 and so we had a really close friendship and then uh we decided that we would start the business together and when we started building it is it like everything was was great and and we always got along well and and uh, that carried through in fact we we had a we almost agreed on just about everything travis and it was it was kind of uncanny you know That's like rare. It, it it it's very very rare and my My father's longtime entrepreneur, and and he said, "You know, you always want to steer away from partnerships. Always steer away from partnerships because in the beginning, you need something, and they need that, and then eventually you guys don't need each other, and it just almost always falls apart. So I was already kind of on guard about partnerships in general. But uh, long term is like my most successful businesses have been dealing with partners. And it's you can also have the wrong partner and then it could just go very, very badly. Um, But what I was going to say is Stu and I kind of had this sort of a a rule (laughs) that, you know, whenever we disagree, ultimately the person that wins is the one that feels more strongly towards their side. And usually it was always very clear, uh, you know, occasionally he'd be like, Trace, I'm telling you, I feel really, really strongly about this one. And I'm like, okay, you know, I don't really. Other times it was me. It's like, I'm telling you, Stu, this is what we have to do. And it just, it just really worked out. And so we were partners with Wishless Member for about six years, I yeah, Yeah, about, about six years. And uh, so that means that we've we've almost been apart uh, as long as we're together. That's crazy to even think. But yeah, we left as friends. You know, I miss our relationship where we talked every day. You know, we're still friends, but we don't get to talk because he's running his business and I'm running mine. So
0: interesting. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, a business partner, you often see them more than your spouse.
1: So it's it's yeah, important to pick yeah.
0: pick wisely. And like my dad always said to. The key to relationships is deciding this is this the hill I want to die on. <laughs> so yeah, your, your comment about feeling more strongly, yeah, sort of yep. plays true
1: there as well. That that's good parenting advice as well.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know he, he's a he's a great guy. So I always take his advice mm-hmm. to heart. Well, cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I've I've met Stu a few times. Really nice, likable guy. I, you can immediately get the vibe that he works really hard and, and cares passionately about what he does. Mm-hmm. So thanks for sharing about that experience.
1: Yeah, I will. I will tell you one more thing about it now that brought him up. And Now I'm thinking about it. I think a lot of times people would say, well, you know, why did he leave if everything was so if everything was so good? Why did he leave? And I mean, ultimately, over time, you just sometimes choose to do different things. And I remember... That time when he was making the decision, which was a really difficult one for him to make because, you know, he had no idea what the road ahead was going to be. But he, I remember him saying, he's like, man, I've come to realize like Stu is just a stud soccer player. I don't know if you knew, know this, but usually when you're a soccer player, you're also by default, you're a runner. So he and I used to run together like when we would attend conferences and stuff. And uh, I always gave him grief because there, there was actually one time where we did a conference in uh, Las Vegas and it was around the time of the Las Vegas Marathon. And we were gonna run the the marathon the day after our conference. And he decided he was gonna run the half marathon and I ran the full marathon. And I used to give him so much grief, and like, yeah, well, I mean, he kind of only did half of it, right? <laughs> he, he used to get so frustrated. But the reason I bring up this this thing about running is, he said, "You know what, Trace? I've come to realize something about myself." He's like, "I'm a sprinter. I'm not a marathoner." And so, when you come to understand things about yourself, you kind of want to build your business and your lifestyle around what works for you, not really what works for you and somebody else who has it a different way of things. And it's like, I'm not a sprinter, Travis. I'm a marathoner, you know? And so for me, I'm always looking at like a long term road on things. And sometimes consequently, the downside of it is sometimes things take a lot longer, but I just keep going and going and going. And he likes to do things and just kick him out fast. And so he's built an awesome uh, business and an awesome lifestyle around what works best for him. Yeah. I mean, having that self-realization is
0: kind of key to your your happiness, your well-being, your overall mental health, for sure.
1: Yeah. He's he's uh, about right at 10 years younger than me, but he's got so much wisdom. I learned uh, just a ton of things from him.
0: Well, I think this is a, a great segue for the kind of final shift shifting of gears here towards the mental health since we're talking about happiness and sort of you know people's journeys along the way yeah, every time I've met you you're always smiling very respectful and humble and it's it's always a very refreshing experience but you know sometimes people like ourselves can be masking things that we're dealing with on a day to day basis uh, as entrepreneurs that demand a lot of ourselves a lot of our teams sometimes a lot of us deal with you know stress, overwhelm, anxiety, panic attacks, depression. I know I certainly have dealt with my fair share of anxiety and panic attacks. And the more I talk to other entrepreneurs in the space, it's always kind of eye-opening to find out who else has dealt with that kind of stuff. And very interestingly, what they've done to cope with those symptoms or, or realities and and find a healthier balance. So I want to ask you, you know, at, through your entrepreneurial journey, you've obviously seen a lot of shifts in the marketplace, uh, you know, Probably financial hardships, financial wins. What what part of the mental health side have you dealt with personally, and what do you do to sort of mitigate any of the downsides?
1: Yeah, Travis, it's interesting that you say. Like once you start talking to people, and then you start to realize uh, there's this there's a sense about us. I don't know if it's this way for everyone, but it's easy to look at everybody else and and see. Uh, how well they're doing, and and you instantly compare yourselves to them, right? Doubly true and, these days with social media. Everyone's curating yeah, their best life. And, yeah, and I was and I was gonna mention that, you know, about so about five years ago, my family and I moved. We we live in Memphis, Tennessee, and uh, we lived here. My wife and I lived here for 19 years, and then we got this crazy idea: we're gonna move to Park City, Utah. And we were just going to do it for a year and then we were going to get out there and then we were going to come back one year later. And that one year turned into four years. And then we just recently moved back to Memphis. So in that time, you have to recognize it, it was such a, a roller coaster for me because up until like around just a little over a year ago, I never had a Facebook account. And so I got finally got my Facebook account about a year ago and i really don't use it very much but at the time when we moved i finally said okay i'm going to get on social media and i set up an Instagram account and i came to realize that it was a great way for me to keep up with people from Memphis because i had just moved but also i had some friends here said so yeah i i kind of had to had to stop following you what one guy specifically great friend he's like yeah I, I just found myself I was I was really getting kind of jealous because you, you're with your family and you guys were posting all these pictures of you guys being in the mountains and and it was a it was a great time for us we were super excited about it but then I personally I just kind of hit a wall when I was there it's like I I can't be on Instagram anymore I I just can't do it because I found something out about myself is like, I, I, you know, I struggle with OCD, I have anxiety, I've had depression, and I started looking at all these other things too. And then I start to say, wow, look at those people. And it's like, then all of a sudden you start, you're in that whole comparison trap. And then, you know, if you think back about everything we said, this is also right around the time when Stu left our company. And you know, so here I am. Which is kind of like a divorce in a lot of ways, even if it's on well, good terms. I mean well, it's just, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's a good that's a good point. You know, there are different types of divorces. Some of them are are, you know, on good terms and and some of them are not. But yeah, like we spent every day talking to each other, right? And then all of a sudden, now he's not there. He's a strong player, and now I'm just saying, hey, uh, It's up to me. He and I built this company that wasn't what he wanted to build. It wasn't what I wanted to build. Uh, It was what he and I agreed to build together. And so now it's kind of left up to me to say, well, is that the company that I want? Uh, no, I actually wanted to be a little bit different. And it's just, you know, when you're steering a big company, it it can take a lot of time and it can take a big toll on you. And then there's also the whole question, like, what was wrong with me? Why why didn't he want to stay around? And it's like the truth is, he just wanted to do some different things, you know. And it it, it wasn't about me, but that didn't change the fact that I was dealing with some of those things in my head, right? So mm-hmm. it was really really challenging for me, especially when you consider the fact that I told you that we were rebuilding our software platform and, you know, I thought it would take less than a year and it took two and a half years. And then by the time we finished, I felt like I had no gas left in my tank. I I mean, I had absolutely none. And it's like financially, man, emotionally, y- mentally, yeah, I'm sure, like all I, the things, yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, I'm I'm trying to keep on my game face. You know, I'm not really on social media, but I mean, we're still serving a large customer base. And it's like, how do I, how do I keep everything going, and how do I get to that next level where I'm where I know that I'm headed? And you know, there's thoughts that you know maybe it is time. To give up and it's like something about the way that i'm wired is i i just have never been the type to give up very easily but i i think that it's important to recognize that you've got to feed your mind with positive things i remember i was at a conference it was probably one that you attended too it was one of those uh older infusionsoft events and i think it was brad martin now was making a presentation, and, and he, he said something that I wrote down as a quote, and I just always remember, he's like, isolation kills entrepreneurs. Isolation kills entrepreneurs. And what I realized, man, when I isolate myself, I'm doing that to myself. And so when I moved to Utah, I I, I found that there were events that I could go out to, and once a month, I attended this event, and you know I was around all these other entrepreneurs. And so now I moved back to Memphis and I don't have that. So there's a piece of me that's really missing it. So what I do is kind of relevant to what the situation that all of us are going through right now. You're finding a lot of people that are really getting into isolation the first for their first time, really, because they're used to seeing people at the office and they're not used to working at home. So it's a culture shock, for sure. For sure, it, for sure <laughs> right? And a lot of people don't know how to navigate it. And so for people like you and I that have been doing this for a long time, You have to, you have to navigate it wisely. And, and you, you know, I've seen people saying, oh, we're having uh, virtual happy hours, you know, and, and it's like, you got to stay connected. And fortunately for me, I mean, I do stay connected with my team and I'm talking to my team every, every day online, but also, you know, you and I have spent some time reaching out and talking to others. And then I, you know, a lot of my, uh, entrepreneur friends, I talk to them and then this kind of goes back to your your first question about dealing with this stuff and occasionally you know i don't this is really like the first time i really kind of talked openly about it to the public but I, i haven't been shy in terms of talking about it to you know my close friends and when i open up they're just like wow man i really appreciate you sharing that with me because I've struggled with some of the very same things myself, and so that's that's the reality of it. Travis is like everybody; it kind of deals with, with stuff like that.
0: Yeah, unfortunately, for some reason, and especially in our circles for so many years, it's it's sort of been taboo without even knowing it was taboo. <laughs> Just like yeah. which leads to people thinking that they're you know they're the only one going through those struggles, and it's like no man. And most people at one point or another yeah. have some flavor or variation of that. That's why it's interesting with this whole you know coronavirus and COVID-19 thing is people are starting to shift the narrative from social distancing to physical distancing and to mm-hmm. reflect the understanding that you need to still be connected. And as humans, we're really hungry for that connection and that engagement and that community. And so finding ways as dispersed, isolated individuals working together as a team, there's a lot more going on than we maybe realize.
1: Yeah, for sure. That's definitely true. And one thing that I touched on earlier is like you you have to be feeding your mind with positive messages. I read a lot of books. Just I haven't always been that way. I, I I always wanted to be that way and I always had a challenge, so then I kind of shifted over to audiobooks and then I just I just devour them, but One of the things that I was listening to recently that they pointed out is sometimes when you go through challenging times, which everybody's going through a challenging time right now, you kind of need to get through those things so that you can fully appreciate what it's like to be on the other side. And so that kind of kept my spirits up moving forward, you know.
0: Absolutely. And I'm sure, you know, being a marathon runner and other things give you a physical release as well.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I think everybody wants to know like how, you know, what are you doing right now? And, and I uh, think yesterday I got out for like one mile and, uh, <laughs> but Hey man, one mile is really, better than
0: no miles. right? Yeah.
1: I was just, I was walking with my wife and the dog and I, I need, I keep feeling that needs like, I got to get the running shoes on. So I'm definitely due for, to step it up a notch, but I've just kind of been, working real hard with the all the latest releases and stuff
0: i have a brother-in-law who's an ultra runner and i am so oh, not so
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah it's that's, it's definitely uh it's his version
1: of therapy yeah it it is helpful and that's it when when i look back and i look at some of the times was like man i was really at my peak when i was being the most healthy and i, I had a uh interview uh with a good friend of mine jim edwards and excuse me, I'm not sure if if you know Jim, but he he's been around for a long yeah, time. Copywriting with ClickFunnels. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and uh, kind of wrapped up the interview, and I asked him that question. I said, you know, you you you've gone through a a complete revamp of your health, uh, you know, over the last couple of years. I, I said, do you have any reason to think that that has a lot to do with your business? And and he was like, man, absolutely, one hundred percent. He's like, once I got completely healthy and got in better physical shape it was like everything turned around with his business and so he's another guy he's like man i went i went through some challenging times myself you know yeah totally believe it
0: well, hey, we're up against our time here, unfortunately, but it's been a real pleasure having you on today. Thanks for making the time. I'm glad that you decided to get back on Facebook recently. It allowed us to reconnect <laughs> after a number of years of uh, not really connecting. I hope we make it a more regular thing. But I really appreciate your time and, and sharing your yeah, story with definitely. us. Yeah,
1: definitely. I appreciate you having me, Travis, and uh, I look forward to staying in touch with you. And also, I love what you're doing with uh, your software and contest domination and campaign refinery. So I, I look at how we can do more stuff together on those things in the future.
0: Yeah, me too. really exciting. Well, if someone wants to follow up with you after the fact, what's the best place or way for them to do that?
1: You know, like I said, I'm not really uh, busy. I mean, I'm not really active on social media, but I do have Facebook. So you could probably just find me on Facebook. And uh, Facebook's pretty good about letting them know if you uh, make a friend request and just reach out. Then I'll try to follow up.
0: Sounds good. Well, thanks again. And we'll talk soon. All right. Thanks, Travis.